Hey, I'm Moo Moo, and you're listening to Sticky Jazz. The opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Sticky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. And greetings, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. Uh, let's see. It's been a wild couple of months here and uh, kind of culminating in this interview. Um, welcome this week. I have Amara. Her, her, that is her band's project name. Uh, I have Kaylin Ohm. She's a Canadian actress and musician. She's been in shows like Hit and Run in Israel. Uh, she's just, it was, she's just a great actress, but uh, for kicks, she does very, very good music. Uh, this is this Amara's uh, project. The new album is called The Child of Venus. And I have to explain a few things here. I conducted this interview where 10 minutes prior, I was told that somebody who I care very deeply was going to pass within the next 24 hours. And... Uh, it was a very difficult time, and I had to put a hard stop on everything. That's why I've been away, and um, and I got COVID as well at the funeral. So uh, that's why I've been gone for all this time. So, um, but that information that I just received right before this interview uh, put me in this headspace to conduct this type of interview. It was. An amazing experience, but I was in such a different place in the universe doing this interview. And I think that I had to have been in that just to be able to talk to her this way. I The, the interview was amazing, but I don't know how else it would have happened uh, if I had not been in that headspace. So good and bad about all of it. This is a truly wonderful conversation that I had. So I'm going to kick this off with Kaylin Ohm. Uh, her, well, that's her name. Uh, Amara, the song is called Bright Lights. So sit back and do the sticky jazz. Bright lights from the 
right, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks, and this week I have Kaylin Ohm. She's got her musical project called Amara, if that's correct. Uh, did I say that right? You did, yes. Okay, and uh, she is somewhere East Coast, but if you're, if uh, how far out are you? Where are you on the East Coast? I'm in Nova Scotia, Canada. Oh, so, so. you're you're in the actual other time zone you're over there in newfoundland area okay nova Scotia. Yeah. right okay because you yeah what we were talking about i was like oh well if there's only the one time zone that would be three hours difference so i have uh i've been there i've been out to prince edward island i've been all through that mm. area nice it's special it's a special place well what made you decide to go park it there after british columbia that you i mean um well i i was uh, I've been working on a, ser a series out here and um, we eventually will go back to work once the strikes are, are through. And yeah, I ended up getting a little house here and I'm currently renovating it. You a moment ago saw my wild staircase with a bunch of layers of wallpaper. And <laughs> I like, I would love to just come and do stills there for a horror film. Okay. That was some of that looked really good. Creepy. It looks super creepy. Luckily it, it doesn't feel creepy. So okay. there's good vibes in there, but it definitely looks pretty wild for sure. Okay. So full disclosure, I'm an honorary Canadian actually. Oh, you are? Yes. I, uh, I went to uh university in, in Montreal. So nice. yeah, up there in, on the French side, up in French Canada and then some friends of mine decided that they wanted to go out to PEI and I'd never been out there before. And uh, I, I had to go and learn how and talk to newfies and <laughs> like they're the best. They are. But it, like, <laughs> like everything is if you've been to Montreal, right? Um, yeah. And many times. Uh, and then we went there to to, to we, we got out there and I'm like, wow, it's weird hearing everybody speak English again. But then they would be talking. I'm like, I know they're speaking English, but I have no idea what these people are saying. And it was it was just funny. I mean, there were some great people out there. The new fees, everybody out there on Prince Edward Island. I loved it. And it was just bizarre. You know, it just it was just such a, a totally different pace and culture than what you get in Montreal and Quebec. 100%. Well, I would say that those two places, Quebec and East Coast Canada, like the Maritimes, are two very, very much their own subcultures in Canada. You can kind of maybe draw comparisons in other bigger cities, but, you know, you go to St. John, Newfoundland, uh -huh. and that is a, it's whole, it's a whole other world, you know, it's, it's special, though. Well, yeah, but do you know the song by Great Big Sea? There isn't that much ocean between Boston and St. John's. <laughs> you know, when, when I, I I moved to Quebec from Boston, actually. And so we oh, were always, wild. yeah, so being Boston, they're always the, like all the, the all these Canadian sailors would be there uh, with the mm -hmm. Portuguese sailors and they'd always be fighting. And what, it was just it was just a neat culture to, to be around those guys. And but the Newfies, they always talk really slow. You know, and uh, they were great. Just some of them, they'd give you the shirt off their back. Simple people. Mm -hmm. They would drink. That's true. They would drink fish and and talk about boats, right? And that yeah. was like all those guys ever did. 
you know. Oh, I and grew of up course, with, of course, their hockey matches. You know, I haven't seen hockey games in New in Newfoundland, but I had uh, Newfie neighbors growing up in BC. It was a family who had three boys who were pretty much the same age as my sisters and I. So um, we spent a lot of time with them, and so I really grew up with some newfies super close to me and all of his all of the dad's brothers lived in town too so there was like four of them so i i grew up pretty close to that culture in a way oh wow so yeah, yeah. i i miss the great white north i really do i i did enjoy it a lot even though the the minus 43 degrees you know was <laughs> but and the putin was was fabulous to eat in minus 43 degrees you yeah know. for comfort food to the oh, max well sure. yeah but i mean in that kind of cold you know like and and then nothing weirder than getting up on a saturday morning and there's a moose in your front yard and <laughs> i'm like i live downtown what's he doing here you know a moose that's rare not not there because he they when when the the river would freeze they'd walk over the ice okay and, and come in looking for breakfast and i'm like what are you doing here i'll go back inside and let the let the cops chase you out you know the cops <laughs> yeah i mean what, what yeah i mean they one day they I, they were making a big noise to try and scare him away and he didn't like that and then he got ready to charge you know and he's like scratching in the snow and then the guy just pulled out a shotgun and shot him with three darts. And man, that guy just went, you know, and then they right, hogtied tranquilizers. him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They hogtied him and drove him off. <laughs> it's like, I mean, no reason to, to hurt the guy, you know, he just wanted, he just wanted food and coming into town was easy for him. But um, yeah, I do miss Canada. So, uh, uh, but I guess you're kind of the world traveler. You were, you've done, well, you did the the show with Leo Russ, right? I did, yeah. You did. Uh, so uh, hit and run, hit and run, and that was I, I saw that pop up, and I thought that was really funny that that just popped up. I love Leo Russ. I love his work. I, I, I've seen Foda. Um, I speak Hebrew. Oh, you so, do nice. Yeah. Do you speak Hebrew or was that? Uh, katsat, katsat. katsat. <laughs> so I've lost a lot of what I learned when I was over there. So I didn't see Hit and Run. I haven't seen that series, so I don't really know how your role was in that. But I, I love watching, like, the, the Israelis make really intense TV shows. That's, yeah, that's Leo's true. amazing. He, um, him and his his creative partner, uh, partner sorry, uh, Avia Zakharov, they make some incredible stuff. Fada and Hit and Run, both very different in their scale, but um, Fada's an amazing show. Yeah, how was that? Was that uh, was that a lot of fun doing that? Because I guess I mean I'm just watching your timeline, and you're a busy woman. But, <laughs> um, so you were doing. I mean, talk about that for a second because you 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 went from there into making the music. I guess just uh, like from one step to the next, right? Yeah, sort of in doing both film and music, I've just had to let time uh, tell me what's next in a way. Um, I've always found natural uh, breaks between film projects to make records or to to focus on putting out a record or making the videos and things like that. And um, so, yeah, I've kind of just had to surrender to, to things going the way that they go. And so far it's worked out. So I, I feel lucky. I left Israel and went to Calgary 
uh, to make Child of Venus, which is the record I just put out a couple weeks ago. And um, yeah, and then the day, literally the day after I finished mixing the record, I booked a film. So it just kind of has been working out. And, and now you're in the middle of the strikes you just mentioned, or was, or was that a different project that you had booked? That, oh, that was in 2021, because actually the record's been done since November 2021. So I sat on it all of 2022. I was oh, out in out in Halifax shooting a, a series. Um, and right now, because of the strikes, I'm unable to talk about that. But um, but we were out here filming and and then now I'm on this break and I'm I'm sort of campaigning the album. So it's interesting how it just kind of works out, I guess. Yeah, so I I I remember talking to a guy, big executive for a, a, one of the bigger labels, and he said, "You know, I'll get working on projects, and 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 I'll realize, wait, it's been a year and a half since I've sat down and and recalibrated because there was just always the work there. I take these on, and I don't. I think, okay, this will be what I'm doing for the next several months, and I just step from one to the other, and like, oh, a year and a half just went by. Wow, you know." And he mm-hmm. he's like, I'll be, you know, Jamaica, Singapore, London. Oh, hey, what's next? You know, and it, it, it's he's really busy and he's just in music. I can't imagine what it'd be like doing film like that. So, yeah, I guess you're kind of just in the moment of of whatever you're doing. And, and for me so far, you know, I started acting a little later, sort of in my late 20s. And and so in the last four years, I've kind of been busier with you know five six month shoots for series work and things like that and in those cases you kind of get to relocate for a pretty decent period of time Uh um and I haven't been in the position yet with acting where you know I'm working on three different projects at a time and going back and forth to different locations that would be cool to experience but so far it's been um yeah a lot of moving around a lot of changes in life constantly it feels like since I got out of film school um but I think I'm kind of wired for it I don't I don't know if I could be in one place same job for years and years in the same house like it it just doesn't really seem like but for now Nova Scotia's home First, for a sec, yeah, I have this little this little place, and I'll I'll be here while I'm working, and um, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends also affected by the strike that they're they're like, you know, we're we're not doing interviews, we're not doing any, yeah. you know, and uh, um, lots are just out catching up on life. You know, they said that. Uh, I mean, one, she said the strike is actually kind of a blessing because I just needed to unwind for a while and. You know, but she she said we stopped right in the middle of a project as well. So um, I don't know where it's going for everybody, but good luck on that. Right. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's really necessary. I've I've only been a SAG member for four years and there's so many folks who've been in it for decades um, or have been members for decades. But it's totally necessary The the business has completely changed with streaming and digital and the contracts don't reflect that. So there's really no trickle down to the, all the folks who are so essential in making these projects happen. And so it's really unfortunate that it led to this because not only are a lot of projects on hold, but a lot will inevitably be cut. A um, lot are, yeah. Well, I remember but, the last, like there was a show I, I liked called life um, and they, mm-hmm. 
they shelved it during the last strike and never picked it back up again. I was like, man, I, you know, I don't watch TV much. So when I do get to see something, it's, you know, I, I think the last show that I watched was Reservation Dogs. Great show. Uh, oh, that was, did you like, that was some of the best writing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's fantastic and incredible and really bizarre that that show didn't get nominated for writing, directing, acting across the board with the Emmy, Emmys this year. It was, I honestly thought when I saw the nominations, I was like, oh, I wonder if Reservation Dogs can't get nominated this year for the last season. Maybe it's for next season. Like I was really confused and then saw all these news articles coming up about like what happened to Reservation yeah. Dogs and the Emmys. It was yeah just because you know. so, i mean the writing on there was just outstanding mm -hmm. so um what's well, an unprecedented show i mean there's there's been nothing like it right there has i mean i it, well at the the end scene where, where they were standing there at the at the ocean i was crying i was like that was so beautiful you know but just the the the, the comedy the jokes um and up in Canada, I don't know what up where you were, but I met a lot of wonderful first American folks up in Canada. But where Indigenous I was folks, yeah. in 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 Quebec, they weren't they weren't seated under a treaty with the rest of Canada, so they were all making a lot of hell up there. When I was up there, it was really, I was like, kind of like the kind of like the strike you guys were in, and even what they were, I'm like, you guys go, man, you know. You, mm -hmm. I was I was supporting them and when they they went they shut down a freeway. Um, mm. They just drove. I think there's actually a, a lot of um, a lot of groups. There's Mohawk folks. Um, yeah. Devry J Jacobs, who's one of the leads on Reservation Dogs, is um, is Mohawk. There's many uh, many treaties and groups I believe in in Quebec Indigenous folks in Canada. Yeah, they were they were up there arguing with because the Canadian government hadn't respected some of the uh, some of the written treaty there. And so they, mm -hmm. they just locked a freeway down. And I was like, man, don't mess with yeah. the Mohawks, man. That's great. You know, I was proud of them for it. It's extremely important. And um, yeah, just as Standing Rock and Lakota land endless areas in the u.s it's also going on in canada and yeah we should be standing next to indigenous folks to help protect their lands because it's just yeah it's an ongoing issue that doesn't get enough coverage and doesn't get enough resolve so no everybody's worried about a damn submarine um with that uh loved okay they gave me child of venus quite a while back before it was even released and i really liked it i remember going through it once just very overwhelmed by it i was in a very different situation in life just three months ago two months ago when i first heard it but it was so good uh first things first question uh the star on your face was that painted on or was that superimposed with the graphics on the cover oh i was wearing it it's a plastic it was a plastic thing that I, i've <laughs> never seen anything like it before i was like is that painted on or whatever because uh no big surprise the this the, the star image and and the the, the the bowie record 
Mm. Um, I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of a cool. And I don't know, you probably, with the star on your face as a little girl, probably weren't thinking, ooh, this would be like a David Bowie record, for, you know, in the future. But <laughs> I, I was just wondering what that was about. Um, so uh, I, I read the, the notes about it. You just kind of found yourself in a situation to start writing all this music, right? Out of just on the projects or whatever. And then you just had to just kind of park it in your place and start working on like actually recording it. Um, what was it that brought this record about? Um, I knew I had wanted to make an album called Child of Venus. It was a, a, a name for the record that sort of urged me to go and make the album. And I've always... Uh, written songs when I get into the studio I don't really bank a lot of of tunes to um, demo and then carry into a, a studio setting so um, I had wrapped hit and run and found myself in Calgary and just stepped into the studio and started working um, and I didn't know how much time I was going to have I thought maybe a few weeks or a month or maybe if I was lucky two months and that time kept sort of unfolding and four months later I was kind of finishing up this process so yeah these songs kind of just come when I'm able to make space for them and that's usually in a, a studio setting um, both of my last record Heart Speak and Child of Venus were both made in Calgary Alberta in a little spare bedroom studio and um, we did some studio drums um outside but otherwise everything was done just in a little room in a house so pretty low um just a small production project so able to kind of work on our own hours and things like that and so i did it was this a diy project basically within there yeah yeah it's, it's okay. it is kind of like a bedroom project in the sense um i work with an engineer um and we sort of co-produce in the sense like I'm writing the parts and deciding what comes next and and they're able to help me um technically execute everything so yeah it's easy it's it's quick with two people and um and bring in a session player here and there um we had a a pedal steel player Mitch J who who's from Calgary and I think plays in a lot of sort of country bands but it was cool it was a it was an interesting process I'd never had that much time before to work on days and so child this I had yeah just all this time to look at these songs and think about them and um yeah it was it was pretty cool what was the significance of the name of the record then child of Venus because you said that that idea was what drove you to to make all these songs what was the what was the significance? What did that mean? Um, a friend of mine is a is a really gifted um, seer into it, a um, Vedic astrologer, and I had a really long call with her in in Israel, and she was going through my chart, um, and the Vedic chart has all all the planets in different houses, and at one point she's she was talking about my. Um, um where venus lies for me and she said you're you're the child of venus and i was like oh my gosh i just had to write that down i wrote it down i was like that's an amazing name for an album and then 
it just kind of became something that I reflected on as to like what what does this mean to me like what what does child of Venus evoke in terms of you know thought or um or connection and and it just kind of drove me into asking certain questions that led to certain songs and um yeah just out of a conversation <laughs> because yeah that that kind of takes me into some of the points of i guess a lot of your lyrics there then the way that you're describing how that came about um that that kind of helps paint the picture of some of these lyrics uh by the way the, your answer better be yes to this are you a joy division fan yeah very much for sure. okay good because did you know that their original name was going to be the slaves of venus I did not. Yes, they were originally going to call themselves Slaves of Venus when they were just going to be a loud, lousy punk act. And that was the uh, that was their the band's considered name for like a, a week, you know, oh. was, and so they, they were like, yeah, maybe we'll call ourselves the, the Slaves of Venus. And so the joke on that is um, when Peter Hook from New Order took his, his solo band on tour. And they said the opening band was going to be called the Slaves of Venus and they were going to be a Joy Division cover band. Um, it was them. They all just walked out and played Joy Division. You know, Peter O'Grant goes, evening, we're the Slaves of Venus. They played Joy Division and they left and they came back and played the New Order set. And so I, I thought of that. I was like, Child of Venus, Slaves of Venus. All right. You know, we're we're working in a good direction here. Mm-hmm. So, um let's okay i'm just gonna let you know i dissect the music and i try and take lyrics apart and try and see what they mean what they're about what they you know and so that's that's i did a lot of that and luckily yours was printed when they said i was like oh cool so i don't need to try you know um i really got into this that was just a I mean, just I, I fell in love pretty much from the first, you know, first time through with this record here. Mm-hmm. Um, Discovery of Innocence. Okay. Um, let's see. And and now I'm thinking just, I don't know. I don't know why now that I've seen your apartment and now I'm reading these lyrics, I'm like, whoa, this is so wild. Because uh the walls, the wallpaper and all that in your apartment. That was such a great, creepy horror film picture there. But uh, <laughs> uh, shot to the heart, leading times, slipping through the walls, gather pieces tied together, call it what you will. And now now you kind of made sense. Line up the stars, you might be in for a long night. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that for a minute? Now that you said line up the stars and when, when your friend was, was, was this the experience that you were just talking about where your friend was showing you your chart? And going over all that. Was that what you were talking about there? Is that what Discovery of Innocence was about? I think um, I think you read some lyrics both from Still, the, the song Still, and from um, Discovery of Innocence. But that sounds like Still. Turn and wheel, sense the pole, draw a line, crossover. That's from Still. Okay. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I was just jotting the notes down going, wow, these are some great lyrics. Gather pieces mm-hmm. tied together, call it what you will. And then the line, line up the stars, you might be in for a long night. That that's from Discovery of Innocence, yeah. Okay, so what was going on with that? Um 
Fabulous lyrics, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I think, well, Discovery of Innocence is its loss is a song about reclaiming what people refer to as like childhood creative abandon or you know a creative genius that we inherently all have before we're sort of domesticated into public school and becoming members of society so to speak um so I think yeah that song for me was just kind of like grappling with the restraints that are put on what feels like our souls, I guess, um, when we're trying to fit into what is expected of us. Um, for me, I had a really hard time in public school. It was just not a place I should have been. Um, it's, I didn't thrive there. And yeah, I think the call it what you will, it will be what it wants thing. It's just like, we can try and name things, we can try and, and rationalize or intellectualize, but at the end of the day, there's just a flow and a, and a, an unfolding of life. And, and we just need to remain open to things changing, open to things healing, open to opportunities for us to, to reclaim ourselves at any point. Okay. So that's all right. Um, you just kind of lit that up with you know, light up the stars you might be in for a long night that's such a beautiful line that is Thank such you. that was pretty like i mean i again i i i wonder you know when i hear a line like that i'm like that's something that you know you could uh i mean you know not not a hallmark card but that's something you could just use over and over again try and like say you know you hear this line and what does it mean over and over again and maybe at different times in life it's going to mean something different you know that's mm -hmm. one of those that's one of those kinds of songs that i would say that that is so mm -hmm. i you know a good one there um what about bright lights uh that one that one kind of started out like a Sigurós like piece mm -hmm musically and then it moved into like uh i don't know if you remember the band called one dove i don't no, okay I don't know it, one dove. it started out like literally there was the uh there's a band called one dove uh the woman's the singer's name was dot allison they toured with massive attack back in the 90s oh massive attack's great and you went from see your into one dove you have a very one dove feel to it to your music cool. i'll have to check them out <laughs> and it was so i mean that song was was great bright lights um but that's how it started off with uh let's see uh bright lights from the city behind me now it's all right baby don't cry take the one highway from the city of from the city of sorrow uh i thought i told you before i said words over and over i thought i told you before um what was bright lights what was the i mean there was there was a sense let's see bright lights in front of the city now i'm thinking ways to turn it around this one was really a lot to unpack because mm -hmm. you you painted a really good picture i could see what you were telling me there in this story and the mm -hmm. anxiety of seeing this in the city but then there's a line 
uh, now I'm thinking of ways to turn it around. Mm -hmm. uh, what was what was the world then? Because that was a just a, a really great song. What Thank was the you. world in that one? Um, well, I mean, it's interesting with songs because I think that they, even for someone who writes them, they change, you know, like there's a, maybe something that inspires it in the moment or maybe a collection of memories. And then years later, it can be relevant to what's going on in the present. Um, for me, Bright Lights, I was on a road trip. Um, on my own from LA to Berkeley in 2020 so it was kind of the middle of COVID and I was going to see a friend and um, yeah I just it was going over a situation I had been been in and sort of a song about like be, being in the car hypothetically having a conversation with someone who's not actually there and working through you know some strife and ultimately just realizing that it's, it's kind of like using metaphor um of traffic and being blindsided by by certain things and and ultimately like opening up and realizing once again we don't have a lot of control over things it goes how it goes you can't rewind time it is how it is you know what i mean uh-huh mm -hmm. okay um wow all right um, you do you know the band New Model Army? No, no okay. you're giving me all these new artists to. They they did a song called Vagabonds, the where one of the lines he says, uh, it, I was like, wow, you're you're telling a similar story of the the one where he's we followed the taillights out of the city, moving in the river of red. Mm. You know, like mm. all the cars leaving, right? We're all trying to get out. But then also I was like, wow, that was really cool because you, you kind of caught the same thing there of being on the road trip, being there on the road and in the bright lights of the city, we follow the taillights as he, but then you're, you're, you're saying that we're there. We're not having control of this. The, the new model army version of the same point, I, similar idea. We are young. We are old. We are in this together. Vagabonds and children and prisoners forever. Pulses of raging and eyes full of wonder kicking up behind us again, you know? You you just the way you were I was like oh that that steers me to new model army territory so it, I don't know maybe the universe is channeling all this awesome to you and you're just putting it in these songs. Uh, I think that's the interesting thing about music is that there are universal themes that so many artists write about and so many songs are you know of similar experiences spoken through a different artist you know. There's so much uh, sort of camaraderie there in expressing our human experience through art. And that's what I find so beautiful about music. It's like how many songs are about love, you know, but how many perspectives are there? And Yeah. Um, and that one, it wasn't even about love. It was just trying to figure, yeah, it was just about what you were saying we don't really have much control over it where we're trying to go and uh hope we can get somewhere and make the best of it um love's new mortal coil new love's mortal coil mm -hmm. okay um probably another band you don't know modern english that drum line was straight out of a song called changes by modern english it's mm. like oh oh love it like you just hooked me with that right there Nice. modern english hear that song i'll stop the world and melt with you maybe you i don't know if you but 
um i was like oh love the love this drum beat this is perfect and then you went off into a really cool fleetwood mac vibe i was like oh this song is so <laughs> Uh, the line, I know you've been working hard to get over the thing you lost. Uh, I assume it's a love song. I assume it's, uh, or it's not about, it's about you telling somebody how to deal with their mortal, their love lost, right? I guess, um, because you're telling it directly to someone. Go ahead. I mean, it could be, to you know, in some ways it's to myself, to anyone, to you know and also again with music it's like this the singer can be saying you and then you're listening to it thinking who are they talking to or or is this about me you know what I mean um new love's mortal coil is really about the phenomenon of limerence just which if you don't know the word limerence because I actually only learned it fairly recently it's just that sort of um possessed feeling of new love like the drug the love drug that people talk about where you think this person is your answer and you finally found the thing and and then of course those first stages fade and things get comfortable and then all of all of the shit comes into the picture and into the field and you realize okay this is not what i thought it was and either you decide to do the work and move into it or you let it go and and so it's kind of just like really a cheeky take on on what happens with new love when we project this idea of perfection onto it okay wow shakespeare all right cool <laughs> uh guilty pleasure of mine uh, i mm -hmm. am a big fan of amaletto films okay and I watch them all the time. They're great. Cool. They're quick. Grab your 20 minutes. Yeah. See something poignant. It tells a quick short story. And it wasn't until I was reading through. I was like, wait, I saw that movie. I, I saw you in that one. Um, that was a cool that was a cool story. I I, I don't know if you've watched many of the other ones. I've little seen, gray bubbles you're talking about. Yeah, little gray bubbles. I was like, I, I remember watching that, geez, about a year ago. Not even knowing um, anything else about you or your music, but I remember watching this. I was like, wow, that is such a neat, heavy story, you know? Yeah, it was cool. It was a, a cool short film about two, about online relationships, really. Um, Charles Wall, who's the director, I actually just did my third short film with him um, while I was in Halifax uh, last fall. And people really connected with that film little gray bubbles i think maybe because so many folks have had um, relationships with people online some who they've never met or you know strike up a, a friendship through online dating or in this case in the movie it was through a mutual love of cameras and a, an ebay purchase and she ends up going to this man's funeral she'd never met him some of his friends and family knew her as this younger woman from new york that he had befriended online and of course there's major speculation about what that actually meant and and yeah it was it ended up it was such a cool process to make and of course you never really know what you're making or if people are gonna dig it you know when you put it out and there was quite a response to that movie it was I was happy for for Charles and it it did did really well well no I congratulations on that by the way because it, it was well done Thanks. again I've 
I, I, I've seen so many Amaletto films because there's just so many of them out there. I just, I love them. And I just remember going, wait a minute. Did I, is that one that I saw when I was just reading your film credits? I was like, oh yeah, that was totally cool. You know, <laughs> and, and it was just a simple story of two film geeks, you know, who just, and, and there was the, the situation where you were being accused of, of being the other woman or whatever and you're like no we we talked about lenses you know yeah and it was that was a cool film and that was just one that uh, again i'd seen that completely independent of anything else that uh i had ever heard from or from or about you i was just oh i remember that movie yeah that was great you know um so I, I hope you do more with those guys. I hope you do more in the Amaletto world because they, they do make some great stuff. That is a great place to just get in there and make a fun, quick film. Nice. Um, so uh, let's see. I'm going to, let's see. The, your song Shimmering Lights, okay? Mm-hmm. That was kind of like an, the only way to describe it was Enya gone sci-fi or almost like a blade a blade runner-esque sounding song interesting uh and then and then later in the song i guess it was during the visions part right because it was shimmering lights and visions right yeah um there are two separate songs kind of just just bled together i would i by the time we got to visions i was like i'm sitting in an m83 song nice and i was like this whole thing was I mean, you took me in so many places with that song. Mm. And it was really bizarre, but I, I loved it. Um, and I, I guess, like, a song like that, where do you come up with your songwriting? How do you do that? Just because it was so... I mean, what what is your instrument? What What is your instrument that you write on, I guess? Or, or how do you... I mean, how does your songwriting... Because that was such a... That was like... It felt like it was a a nine minute song, but it really wasn't. But it was it delivered very well. And I just like, how did you write that one? Mm, I think it actually almost was nine minutes. Um, there was actually a rap verse in there that I ended up removing, but will probably release as an alt version. Um, Shimmering lights, visions is really inspired by the psychedelic experience for me I don't know if you work with psychedelics or if you have in your life um I have okay uh, quite, good for quite you. a bit Great. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and yeah I think it's interesting that it evokes that for you many you know traveling to many different places while listening to it because it definitely for me is kind of like the journey from you know what would be like a more of a mycelial plant medicine to very much like a DMT, you know, death experience. Um, Very cosmic, very um, interdimensional, very expansive. And so I guess that all of those experiences that I've had over the years, I wanted to um, bring that into the music. And that song I write on piano or guitar or keys or guitar usually. And um sometimes bass if it's if it's the first thing that I step onto but um I listen to a lot of ambient music and um I think that 
made its way in into the process with that song especially the bridge between the two mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it, it was one of those songs that was kind of just flowing you know what i mean yeah it was like i said it started out with it, like i said it felt like uh enya gone sci-fi in the beginning yeah just the first little bit, I was like wow this is really cool oh we're in blade runner oh m83 land it was so great like, but, cool. but now you're saying oh it was just a kind of a culmination of your psychedelics um do you want to tell me what varieties they are or is that should that will it be left to the mysteries i mean i kind of said so in my in what i just said well okay <laughs> there's, there's the psilocybin there's ergot there's salvia even no i wouldn't say salvia um bufo alvarez would be the the 5-meo dmt experience um, see in in where i live in utah it's all forbidden right so okay and, and i've i've lived pretty straight Fair yeah i've been straight lace on it all my entire life so oh well um, yeah i didn't i didn't have a drink till i was out with the navy 10 years ago <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like the well. first time I, you know but which was funny because when i lived in in montreal my roommate was growing he had two six foot uh, tall pot plants in our basement Mm. and he was making, my ex- he was doing it all he was growing shrooms making acid i'm like this is all oh, okay <laughs> yeah i mean my my exploration with those medicines is really not recreational or for thrill it's all been pretty intentionally part of uh you know my journey as a, a human and an artist kind of working through some stuff and um i always try and and approach those spaces with a lot of reverence and a lot of prayer and respect for those medicines and it's usually done in a pretty intentional set and setting um not never in parties never just to kind of like see what happens it's been um yeah like a very very interesting pathway into that world and um I'm super grateful for it and I'm sure as you know it's becoming more and more integrated into healing clinics for different reasons and different uses and and I think is now becoming more widely accepted in in the more conservative scientific community for its its work on on trauma and mental health and things like that. So I'm a huge proponent of that medicine, um, various medicines for different uses in the right spaces with the right people. I think it can be really powerful. Well, I, I have a friend who does that actually. She uh, mm. she takes. Uh, convicts drug addicts right people in bad really you know she takes them as prisoners to latin america for ayahuasca experiences and mm, brings them back mm-hmm. wow and she says that the the effects are amazing you know and mm. uh, yeah ayahuasca is an, an incredible incredible medicine and i i'm like hey if if you don't have to fill somebody up on xanax and all that crap just mm-hmm. to keep you know if really there, if there's a natural way to do it i am all for it you know so. Yeah, I mean, there's incredible wisdom in in the plant world, in the natural world. It's uh... have you seen Have you seen that movie, The Fountain? Uh, not for a long time. Okay, well, go rewatch it after those experiences you just talked about, because that was one of the points in the film. Was mm. that uh, Denny Villeneuve? Right. They they had actually. One yes, of my favorite they, they, directors, actually. I need to get more familiar with that with that movie. Well, he well he, he made Dune. Enough said. Um, 
but yeah. um but uh yeah the fountain uh felt in montreal of course made it you know one of my favorite mm-hmm. cities but uh, mm-hmm. it was about that where they, they were pulling an extract from a plant that was involved in a in a psychedelic cross plane experience mm. of, this, of this guy trying to understand death and and why it has mm. to actually happen so uh beautiful beautiful film there so no thank you for telling us about that that's uh no problem uh let's see now i heard this one and then going back and reading your notes i was like all right there was i, I was right on this one as well uh, the song ghosts mm-hmm. uh i felt like it was a cocteau twins experience there and then i'm reading your notes and it says oh yeah she's you know a cocteau twins is one of the big influences there i'm like yeah that one was where i got the most was there you you pull a lot of these really wonderful elements into your music uh to like just this is familiar from here this is great from over here and you 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 really blend it well uh just a fabulous i i've not been she didn't send me any of your earlier work so i i haven't been able to listen to you say the one was called heart sick was that what your first one was called uh my first ep was called black moon and black moon the second ep was called heart speak heart speak okay i haven't heard either of those Mm. i want to go and find them uh just because uh i i love digging way into someone's catalog just to get everything you know really Mm -hmm. get the experience there uh the line let's see there's no way to find the memory to hold no way to find the door from keeping it all i saw the ghosts and I need to run from the light. What was that line? I, I saw the ghosts. No, then I then I saw my ghost and I made a run for the wild. Made a run for the wild. <laughs> oh, that was just a great talk about that song. Was I mean, was it as much fun putting that one together and writing it and playing it as it as it was listening to? Uh, I know a lot of people go, I don't listen to my music much after it gets done, but that was a great piece right there. Talk about ghosts. Thanks. Um, you know, actually that song, the first half of Ghosts was the only part of a song I had written prior to making the album. And I had started writing it in 2020 when I first went to Israel to make Hit and Run. And it initially was, I wanted to birth another music project out of that song, something more I love Grouper and her her Alien Observer record is one of my favorites. And I think I secretly wanted to make an album like that. <laughs> and I started writing Ghosts there, um, thinking it would be more of an ambient type thing. And then I just ended up bringing it into the process with um, for this record for Child of Venus. And it kind of became very much an Amara song. Um, and I ended up writing writing it for the most part in in Calgary when I made the record um it's really kind of just about like questioning one's own um approach to life and at times really looking at this like what's underneath or looking at the ghosts or the skeletons that were hiding the closet and being like holy shit and wanting to run away from ourselves um and then kind of, again, and I guess this is a theme for me, is just like leaning back in and, you know, if there's a fire burning, just like let it burn, let it, let it crumble, let it, you know, fall to dust and regenerate new growth. Um, 
this whole record kind of has that theme for me is just letting things die and be reborn as they want to and not fighting this natural process um, that I definitely did for so long and it didn't bring me much joy that's for sure so it's a don't fight in life kind of thing that's a that's the vibe don't fight it don't fight the flow you know just let things un unfold let them unravel if they need to I think it's really about listening to listening to uh I guess the universe, whatever your relationship is to that, like paying attention to what's going on, um, paying attention to what is in the field, what is our reality, and then creating a vision of life based on that reality, as opposed to, you know, trying to fit life into this vision of things that we want and, and how we want things to be. It, it just causes so much unnecessary discord, I think. In my experience, I can say. So, okay. Uh, well, what what does uh, Amara stand for, by the way? What what what's the name mean? What's the significance of that? Amara is my middle name. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, I, I guess your your whole experience in life was trying to be conventional really sucked and didn't work, and that's that's what I got. You said you didn't like school or at least public school didn't work for you. The mm -hmm. idea of trying, and, and it, it plays out in your songs as well, trying to hold on to doing what everybody else is doing just because they expect you to, or whatever. That also didn't seem to be very healthy. It didn't seem to be what uh, what was making you happy, or it didn't seem to work for you. Um, mm -hmm. Right? Am I on the right vibe here? Like yeah, you're, you're definitely pulling some truth there. Um, yeah, I would say... I don't know if I've ever been conventional or ever tried to fall into conventional um, shapes for myself, but I definitely did a lot of trying to make things fit into what I thought they should look like, what I thought they should be. And, um, and I think also found myself in environments that weren't necessarily, necessarily supportive for me and who I was. So it's just, it, it's been just a process of, I guess, trying to learn what is actually right for me and, and following that and, you know, learning boundaries and, and learning where it is I thrive the most as a person and as an artist and just trying to create those spaces for myself or follow the right types of relationships and things like that. Um, I think it's a very common human experience. Some of us get to learn those things really young. Some of us don't. Um, it's been a process for me. Well, you you said before I hit record that you consider yourself a queer person. Mm. And so we, was that part of some of the struggle that you were talking about? Or the, here's what's expected of me. I don't see that working for me. or Or you just didn't see that that the normal paradigm was you or I mean you it's so interesting I think it, my coming out and in a lot of ways coming into myself as a queer person is still in its process it's still unfolding for me I'm still understanding what that means for me um I definitely am becoming more and more familiar with 
how my upbringing, my environment where I grew up in, and just generally speaking, as a, I'm a very straight passing cis passing woman who fits into certain, um, I guess, categories of standardization. And so for a long, long time, I was just trying to follow that and fit into that and measure up to that. And along with the dismantling of all of those different belief systems and the binary of life that so many of us have been um, indoctrinated into and domesticated into, it's just been this, I guess, what feels like a really long process to really come to my own truth. And um, I guess my own queerness has been another doorway to discover the, my own potential. Um, and that still very much is unfolding now. So, um, yeah, sure. Questions or no, or deeper knowings from a very young age and, and then taking decades to find clarity on. Um, so I'm just trying to be patient and gentle with that too. Well, be good to yourself about that. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. What was your family or your upbringing not conducive to it or just? I don't think so. Yeah, no, my parents are great, super supportive and um, ha haven't blinked an eye. I think my mom even said, oh, that makes sense for you <laughs> when I told her. Um, definitely my the small town I grew up in. Um, very white, very racist, very homophobic. Um, oh, sounds like where I grew up. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think we're just in this chapter of like deep reckoning, especially as white folks, you know, and having to understand our role in things, whether, you know, we're actively a part of this harm or having to come to um, understanding that we're at least descendants of this harm who carry that within ourselves because we've been um, brought up in it and it is us it is in our behavior it is in who we are and we need to learn and unlearn so many things um, I mean even talking about indigenous folks in Canada and the U.S. all over Turtle Island there's just so much for for I can speak for myself that I'm trying to unlearn and learn again and that comes from yeah growing up in this town and not having a lot of um well having no conversation around these these things and and yeah I think it's it's an interesting time to be alive it's an interesting time to be an artist and to be anyone who's examining their own lives or examining um the the cultural structures that we live in and there's a lot of responsibility in that I think um especially as as white folks here and that's opening up a whole other like pathway of discussion I suppose but um all is to say I think there's just so many things that I grew up you know kind of being in a place where I got to ski and run around in the mountains and things were fairly easy. And I did travel as a kid. So I was exposed to 
different cultures and and um, many different people around the world and and then also being in a very privileged body and though I've had a lot of challenges in my life I've never had um, I've never not had access to resources for for help um, or for healing and things like that and so it's um, this is a very long-winded answer to your question but I think that it's been, you know, a journey of knowing that I've been different than maybe what was expected of me or even what I expected of myself. And then being in a privileged space where I can kind of just like run with that, you know, no one was ever calling me, you know, queer slurs or I was never sort of put into a corner that way. And so I was able also to just like run with that privilege and I can hide behind that privilege whenever I want, which allows, it makes it easier to hide from myself too in moments where I'm, you know, afraid. So yeah, it's it's been, I think, a combination of things, a combination of, of so many factors. Um, so I'll rest there if that answers your question at all. Oh, I you you gave me that and so much more. That was, uh, do you know Jeremy Dutcher? Oh, the name really rings a bell. The uh, first American uh, third gender. Two-spirited? Two yeah, he's two-spirited. Yeah, third gender or two-spirited, two yes. Yeah, I believe that for in that the term that indigenous folks like to well, I, I've um, heard it referred both ways. to I've heard it both ways. Uh, uh -huh. My friends over on the West Coast, they call it two spirit, but he referred like when when they gave me the press release, they, he referred to it as the third gender. Uh, or oh, what, third gender is, is what I'm his referring to. It. I'm referring to. Um, um indigenous folks as opposed right. to i think you said first american I've, i don't know if i've heard that term before but oh yeah but you see that's what the canadians will refer to the indigenous people they call themselves the first americans is the indigenous or at least the guys i know up there turtle island they call themselves first americans but yeah so uh jeremy dutcher jeremy dutcher calls himself oh yes no i do know jeremy dutcher the the musician yeah. um um jeremy was oh where did i cross paths anyway yes yes i do know jeremy and jeremy is an incredibly talented person oh um, guy's got more talent dripping out of one finger than anybody on billboard magazine's top 50 man that guy's yeah. amazing i watched them perform um oh i'm so jealous really i believe i believe jeremy uses they them pronouns um if i'm if i'm not wrong um I, I interviewed him a couple of years ago god no it's been like four years now and i was just like look just work with me here because i'm the privileged you know dumb straight american white guy and he's like no that's fine i have plenty of friends who are dumb straight american white guys <laughs> you know and he was <laughs> i was like i'm not trying to be insensitive here but you know when i asked him questions he was great but you got to see him perform i am so jealous i love that guy's work yeah, I'm racking my brain as to where, but um, yeah, he, now... I let's see. He called himself Madenawak, which was what his culture called queer, was Madenawak, which means the spirited person of what 
I'm trying to remember all the. I, he gave me so many cool words, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're just so amazing. You know, mm -hmm. everything about it's that. Lots guy. to learn. Lots to learn as white folks about uh, about this land that we're so lucky to be on now, as guests for sure. Yes, yeah. and um, so. Oh gosh, but tell me about seeing him live. Sorry to just dive in on that. I don't, I don't actually, I can't remember where it was. I know I, I know I was very lucky to see them um, uh, live. It was some years ago, um, but yeah, so I'm sorry. I can't divulge more about that. <laughs> I am so jealous just because his music is so powerful. He's so, that'd be great seeing you with him on the same bill. That oh, would be gosh, a hell of a show, yes. man. That would I would be a lucky person. But he's he is such a funny guy. The interview I called it from one Jeremy to another, and he was just absolutely just a stellar guy. I I have all the respect in the world for him. Mm -hmm. Um, let let me tie this up. Uh, the, the song photograph. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I loved your music a lot. May I love as much as I did, just because you kind of come from the Twin Peaks universe. There's a That's lot cool. of the Twin Peaks. Huge Lynch fan. Oh, yeah. I'm is there is there some creepy No, I was looking a... No, I was looking for a light switch, but oh, I'm like you're, you're, I'm like no, this is like oh, where's no. the, the okay. Um uh, talk about like okay. You're so you you're you love the Twin Peaks universe. I could tell that by your music and I just felt so much of it there. I was like, "Oh, man, you throw you into twin peak season four okay just one of your songs in there like put you in the oh. bar band in that um the line to dance with the aliens in the desert sky took three shots to my ego and then to let it die the photo of the naked girl in the hotel room uh and i i wish you to some grand future uh i mean those are like now that you kind of talked about the the psychedelic experience and that, but this is this is kind of like uh I see I'm trying to formulate this now that you do based on some of your other answers, that that this song was about uh I can see this the way that it really is, and and us and our relationship and whatever. Uh, or maybe I'm getting this all wrong, but now I can walk away and just let the whole universe happen. Now that I can see it this way, I'm stepping back and letting you just kind of go and be you in your shitty life. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, not for this song. This song is really about all the photographs that I mention in the song are photographs that exist, um, that were taken. It's kind of like, more going down into memory lane and um, remembering these moments and and speaking about them in the present. Um, Taking it's... photographs with spiders and with stones for better or for worse. I think I'll make it out alone. Yeah, it's kind of also about like navigating grief and and navigating yep. loss and and yeah, it, I love that song. It's a it's a special one to me. It was great. Again, your lyrics are very expansive. I I could talk to you for another three hours about your lyrics. I know we don't have that kind of time, but I know my computer is going to die soon too. <laughs> but this is you. You've done. I mean, you're you're. 
I well, I'm a big fan. If you can't tell, thank right? you, so, thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate that. Um, uh, quick, did you have a tour lined up? Any or no? You probably you got two movie shoots or whatever. But um, I'll play some shows soon. Um, it's it's definitely been on my mind a lot, and yeah. So, um, I don't I don't know where you are now. I can't remember. What, I'm in what Salt you're Lake, but you're probably oh, yeah, not Salt coming Lake. anywhere near here. But I would love to see you live. <laughs> cool. Well. I'm sure one day that'll be possible and I appreciate um appreciate you listening to the album so deeply yeah. and yeah thanks for having me well good luck with the, the film really quick uh uh what song do you want me to play us out with oh wow um why not photographs okay okay yeah. so I will uh oh I will play us out with photographs um one final question then uh, and I ask everybody this. I'm here in Utah where we have the highest rate of LGBTQ suicides. And mm -hmm. I think you might have something uh, powerful mm -hmm. to say. Uh, what would you say to the young queer kid who's afraid and vulnerable and in the closet? What would your message be to that kid? Oh, um, find a space, a place, a, a a group of humans um, who you feel safe around um, and who see you and who accept you for who you are so that you have a path towards healing. Um, and gosh, I mean, I feel like not also not in a position to speak on that for anyone who doesn't have the privilege to just go and change things. So yeah, that's a like a hard question to answer. Um, but just, I don't know. That's so hard. <laughs> you broke my heart with that question. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. I, I don't know. It's you, not you about me. So, you, you just have a lot of wisdom. And the, the, oh. like, wow, she's going to have a knockout answer. But like you said, find find a safe space right find a yeah if you if you can if you can if there's any way that you can um find a support network because there is there are people out there who have gone through what you've gone through there are people out there who feel the way that you do um and if you're in a place where all you've known is that that um resistance to who you are and if there's any way for you to find a way to a safer place and a better place for you, then as scary as it is, it will be worth it if it's possible. Um, and for those of, of those folks who, who don't have those possibilities or resources, I just send like, so much love and support and and prayers for um change in the world and change in in communities and places where where there's still so much resistance and so much you know homophobia and transphobia and um yeah so all right thank you ending on that light note <laughs> Yeah, well, Kaylin, thank you so much for your time. Uh, everybody, this is Kaylin Ohm, the album that is called The Child of Venus. Uh, the art, her artist name is Amara, A-M-A-A-R-A. -A -A -A. 
And uh, everybody, enjoy this. I'm playing this out with photographs. So take care, be good to each other, and let music do awesome in your lives. And Kaylin, thank you so much for your time and the wonderful conversation. Uh, everybody, you guys know this music's totally my bag. This is the stuff that's always playing when I'm in the car or what's, you know, when I'm out doing yard work. This is absolute just wonderful zone out and just let the music take you in different places. So I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, and uh, so I'm playing us out with photograph by sorry photographs by uh amara so i hope you all enjoy this one and take care everybody Taking fire.